And we are back with everyone's favorite podcast, um, the podcast no one listens to, with season two. I will be joined on this podcast by two very special people. They've been on here before. They loved it so much, and they're back for good. It's Harry Metcalf and Byron Tennyson Toll. Hi, boys. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm now very happy that I'm no longer alone hosting this. And here are your opening statements. Hello. It's it's good to be back. It is. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. We've done this a few times, test wise, and now we're doing it for real. It feels exciting. I mean, I'm excited. I hate film. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> good. This is all excellent we stuff. <laughs> that's, I think that set the tone very well for season two. It's going to be ten episodes of this. Exactly. Exactly. I we might have We're going to have guests at some point. Yeah. Yeah, they they might disconnect as well. Anyway, let's get let's get to it. Shutter Island is the film that we are going to discuss over the next few minutes. Yes. We all watched it. You guys watched it recently. I've watched it right. a while ago. And what did we all think? I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm sure I know. Obviously, I posted on Letterbox and stuff. So I know you guys already know what I think. Um, but sorry, Fabi, you you liked it. It's a, you love the film? How do you I, yes, I did. I, I really did. Um, I, I thought it's, it's a very clever film. And I, I read your, your, um, your review and I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite happy to, to go at it and have a little, I already had, I already commented on your review. I didn't know, I don't know if you saw it, but I already had <laughs> a go on, on Letterboxd. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, there's some stuff there. Um, we, it's actually been discussed on this podcast as well with Ellis saying that he was so in awe of, of Leo's performance and, it, and it's one of those films that you really have to watch two or three times um, I love it, I really do uh, Byron, just before we get into the main section yeah, what you think? The Juice I think it's great because I was hooked throughout the, the, the whole film I think that what happened towards the end I was a little disappointed with the ending, frankly, because I was expecting something different. Because I, you know, I'd been told by a lot of people to expect the unexpected of the unexpected in Shutter Island. Oh, it's a mindfuck and it just loops in on itself like a, like a million times and I was expecting something like that. So I really did think, you know, spoiler warnings, at the very end, that it would... It would continue. It would like when you know he confronts the doctor in the lighthouse. I thought that that was just going to be like another step in this weird conspiracy, and I was really for it. And then it just kind of turned out to be like thirty minutes of exposition, and then it was the end. Um, it didn't ruin my enjoyment of it, uh, but like I would have really loved for it to just have kept kind of snowballing conspiracy wise and going deeper and deeper and deeper. I would have loved that because from start to end, oh, just, it's, it's everything I love. It's this weird, the, the, the mental asylum kind of aesthetic and feel and atmosphere is perfect. And there are all these little moments throughout the whole thing that really do just kind of loop in on themselves, like with the cigarettes and the clothes and all this stuff. And it's like, Oh, that's a cute little, nice little detail. And it's like, you feel, you feel smart for noticing it before it's pointed out. Um, so it's a great film. 
I, I really do love it, but I really wish I really wish it kind of it, it was something different at the end. Yeah, I mean it's it's a weird thing because I I liked the ending actually. I liked like the the way that's going and kind of like you know now uh, the the last line obviously like and we should say this is a spoiler podcast kind of thing. We're going to talk everything about it. If you haven't seen it, go and see it. Um, but like the the last line of you know to die uh, you know to live a monster or die a good man kind of thing, and which is a thing that I believe was added by Scorsese that isn't in the, the book so he adapted it and obviously isn't in there but I love that line and I like that ending because it kind of just like it's it's so inconsequential and, and everything kind of like I don't know it, it's it's suddenly he's suddenly aware of everything and yet chooses the path anyway and you're kind of like ah oh, it's it's a nice little like kind of meek ending but no my my uh, my thing with Shutter Island as, as Fabio read and alluded to in the letterbox review I did I, I've managed to, I've spoken to uh, to other people and I've managed to narrow it down to the, the fact that this Shutter Island is not a mystery film. It is a fantastic thriller with a good twist, but it is not a mystery film. Like there's, there's this element of it and, and, and you kind of, you're, you're led to believe it is a detective mystery film, but to be honest, there never really is anything that is that that lands like the beats in it, and the only thing that does, and to a to a kind of as I kind of agree, a bit of a kind of naff, in a naff way, is that ending of like here's all the exposition, here's the truth, bam, yeah. it hits you with it, and you're like, oh, there's all of that that I didn't see coming because for some reason I was supposed to notice that Mark Ruffalo couldn't get his gun out quick enough, proving he wasn't a detective. Like, nah, <laughs> you know, screw you. Like, it's just there's so many things like there are details like that which people have gone like oh there's your foreshadowing or they're saying like uh you know look at the like the staff and the crew that are uh that on the doctors and all that kind of the way they react tells you that and it's like well no a good mystery film if it is a mystery film a good mystery film alludes to all of that on your first watch when you first watch that you have to have some some essence that's like i think i know where this is going and you don't have that in this you just don't why why do you need that though why does that why did why do you need that from a good mystery to make it satisfying to make it worth your time in a mystery like because as i said this as this film stands because it didn't do that it exists as a fantastic thriller with a good twist but it isn't a mystery film because you don't really have a chance as an audience which all mystery films and mystery elements kind of do no. to take you on the journey and let you experience it with what's happening. I agree with Harry. A mystery, like it's a mystery novel and a mystery um, film. They, they have the same sort of element. So the reader is to the detective as the writer is to the villain. You know, that's that's the kind of mystery yeah. novel story narrative structure. Like that's how it, it should be written. And it's not written like that. It, it's written like that in the beginning and then it sort of just kind of flips around yeah. and then becomes this is the exposition because here was the cool twist and it's a cool twist but it I, I kind of agree it becomes a thriller at that point because none of the none of the beats are foreshadowed in a in a way where you can figure it out before the the story tells you what it is yeah like for example the cigarettes that I mentioned I knew when they hand them the cigarettes when I first watched it, I was like, oh, there's something up there. I don't know what it is, but that's something. And, you know, I found out at the end that it was meant to be something, but it really fucking wasn't. So, 
Yeah. Okay, but but maybe I mean there's there's several things that spring to my mind when when I hear you say that. I, for for one thing, it it is still a mystery film because there's still a character trying to uncover a mystery. Whether he realizes what what is going on or not is the other question. And I think for for a large part of maybe the first half of it, it works out it works out as such. And then as it turns more into a psychological thriller and and kind of gravitates more towards a, a, a thriller it kind of pushes the boundaries of a mystery film if you want to call it that still and i i personally love it when when films push boundaries of their genre and i also always find it a bit hard to kind of like you know do we really need to call it one thing or another can it not be both can it not be a bit of a mystery a bit of a thriller and we're all just a, a good film do we have to kind of pinpoint it and say this is a mystery because I think it works as both, you know. I think it. I think it works upon first watch, and you go like, "What the hell is going on?" And they create such a mood on that fucking island. And as you said, Harry, in your review, you know, the fucking sets are amazing. They're the brilliant, brilliant um, set design, and obviously performances and all that. They play together to make this such a, a bizarre, mysterious environment. And it works as such. And then when you when you when you finish watching it and you watch it a second time and you know what's going to happen, you watch it from a thriller aspect and you kind of see what's going on and you see behind the psychology of it all and you you notice all those things that you've been shown upon your first watch. And it works as that as well. And if films do that and if I have to watch them twice because they're so – and there's almost like I'm watching two separate films. And I think that's brilliant. I think that's genius. I think to say it pushing, you love pushing boundaries. I mean, everyone loves that. But to say that this film does that because it only kind of half is a mystery and half is a thriller is kind of, that's there. That's, that's, yeah. that's a really whack critique. I think yeah. it's a great film. Do not get me wrong. But in terms of a mystery film, it is not. You know, because there's not that other half. But I'm challenging. I'm challenging us calling it a mystery film. You know, do we have well, to really? The reason go... the reason we are call, we are, we are making the distinction is because that the mystery part of it is what didn't work for me. Mm. That is why we distinction it. Because if it if it did, and the whole thing was kind of melded, you wouldn't have to point out because you're like it's a it is a mystery film. There it is and all that. But I'm pointing out because that is the aspect that the of it that didn't work. The three aspects of drama, mystery, and thriller the mystery part of it is the part that stood out and made the whole thing not one cohesive but thing. I would That's argue that Martin work. Scorsese didn't go there and, and sit and go there, it's a mystery film. I'm making a mystery film. He was like, I'm making a film and you guys are going to interpret what you see. But the, well, that's the thing. The thing is, for the first three quarters of the film, it presents itself as a mystery, only to then have the rug pulled out from under us as an audience to say, no, it's actually a thriller the whole time. It's got no, yeah. There is no mystery. Which yeah, but could be mystery, cool. It would be I mean, cool yeah. if he came to that conclusion himself and he found the clues throughout the entire film and was like, wait, hang on, this is all in my own mind. But that's yeah. not what happens. He, the mystery goes up and there's like, here's the goal. He needs to get to the lighthouse and this is where he will confront the bad guys. Blah da 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 da. Or whereas if it were a mystery, there would be a bunch of clues up to that lighthouse where he would come to the realization himself. Instead, he gets up there and then is told the ending essentially yeah. which is the only thing that i really didn't like is that the i i really wanted to continue on the mystery and i i really would have loved for like this whole like that whole part 
the whole like cooking the that climax i was waiting for you know uh leo's character to be like this is a ruse you're rusing me and then it, the mystery would then continue but that's not what happened but that's how i felt like it was going to continue to happen and i'm not saying that because the film uh didn't follow my expectations or or didn't follow what I had preconceived that it's bad because I don't think that what I think is the way that it explained itself it could have been done much better that being said you know it was already pushing like three hours so (laughs) (laughs) so I understand the need for let's just quick get it done and it's not done poorly because it it kind of the, the whole end of the film kind of becomes this you know meta narrated thing where it does culminate into like a really cute nice little ending i think the ending is great yeah uh isolated but in terms of like the first three quarters of the film okay i want to i want to challenge something else of yours harry and i'm I'm, i know i'm I'm nitpicking here but i'm still wondering that's a box review your last line if you rearrange the letters of Scorsese and remove uh, oh. the letters and add some to it, <laughs> you realize Scorsese is an anagram of Christopher Nolan. Boom. Yeah. What up? <laughs> it's just, it's you watch this and you kind of go, it has all of the hallmarks of a Nolan film in the sense that, like, it sets itself up to be a big mystery and, you know, there's, and there's the one thing that changes everything and you see it a whole new light. And, it, and it's annoying because this film... It doesn't. It doesn't really go for this. Like I wasn't thinking consciously, but when someone says, after I watched the film, I, I read other reviews that were like, "Hey, Nolan," and I was like, "Oh, I see it now." You mm-hmm. can you can really apply. Like it really doesn't. The two things are separate, and it doesn't affect my score of the film or whatever. But like, if you were to put like a Nolan kind of like, uh, like say you've got a, like Nolan's beat by beats of Inception and and this film beat by beat kind of and you put the two together the overlapping would be like kind of quite in sync in terms of how the mystery sets up and where things where beats of the story kind of lie in that kind of sense but it, it just it just had a vibe of no probably because Leonardo DiCaprio was it was in it but it just had it had a vibe of of Nolan but you know, come to, come to think of it before before I before I ask my next question these these two films came out the same year didn't they what in comparison inception, to what? inception and shutter island 2011 inception came out when did shutter island come out no no inception was 2010 man uh what it was 20- yeah yeah they're both they're both 2010 he did those two films in one year Damn. and he didn't win the oscar for either what the fuck to be fair yeah, he, was, he, he was gonna win an oscar yeah, if, if Shutter Island was a good one to have an Oscar for, if he was oh, gonna absolutely. I mean, he, I like, loved him in Inception as well. It's hard to separate. Yeah, but, yeah I think the the performance in Inception versus Shutter Island, like in Shutter Island, it's almost it's almost astounding that he didn't win win something for it because he does. He fucking. There's a scene at the very towards the end when his is being explained about his his wife and stuff. And this is a, a, a grievance that Lisa had with the film is that the the, the female character, the the wife, kind of just is a crazy lady, and that's kind of the ending. But in that scene where she's being a crazy lady and her performance is crazy lady, like Leonardo DiCaprio is like, he's he's thrashing it. He's doing a really good job in this scene. Yeah. He steals the show. Like uh, you know, you know, uh, Dolores. Blech, you know, I understand that her, it's not her story, so they didn't focus too much on her. It's about Leo. But even in that scene, which 
kind of very easily could have been her scene. Leon, he just he just takes it. He steals it. Yeah. So it's uh, surprising. It's, I mean, like to that extent as well. There's that one like. It's it's the only it's because of the editing and also it's because of the act, the way it's acted, it it's the only like truly someone looking in the air and shouting no that has ever actually felt convicted. Yeah, it's worked. And I, like I, they did it. Someone I saw a letterbox review. Somebody said the reason that works is because it isn't a cheesy crane out like let's zoom out crane out whatever. It's a it's a wonderful axial smash cut to a wide. So it feels jaunted, and it's not—it's not played for the effect. It's played to just watch and look at, and you're like, "Yeah, it's really cool." Like I love that. It just feels raw in that moment. And you're like, "Oh yes, yeah, it feels good." Um, but yeah, man, it just—it works. It is so well. But um, it's just one of those things with the, with the film. It's like—it's—it's kind of—it's elements do work, elements don't work. I mean, like one of the things that I have a problem with in films in general that have like. Especially because, well, I mean, let me try and like phrase it right before I say it. In the idea of an unreliable narrator is a wonderful thing to explore in every genre, but mystery. Yeah, mystery is the only genre that that it completely screws and makes inconsequential when you put it in there. Because well, no, hang, hang on, on. No, hang no, no. on. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> let me say it, and then you can say that. I know there are some things that absolutely do it right, but this was not one of them. Because, like, I mean, take, for example, like, the whole idea is that they've set up this thing so that, like, you know, so that he, he was already there for, like, several, for, what, a year and a half or whatever, and then they started this thing, right? And so, but then they start the film, he's on the boat. So somehow before this, they've gotten him out of there, and in this, and somewhere between getting him out and getting the boat back to the island... He's turned on and he's convinced that here's where the mystery starts. Like, it, like it's such a, a strange place to start because you get no inkling from that starting that he was ever on the island to begin with. Like everything about it in that moment, you're convinced is, you know, this is the reality of it. You know, he's a detective. He's coming in and and then, then you know, he arrives and everything visually is so biased towards the fact that this place is a hellhole that. No one escapes. And you see it at the end, and it's a lovely paradise with green bushes and all that. Like, it's such a visually biased and and narrationally biased film. It's difficult to kind of like pick out the mystery from it because you don't know what to believe. And even then, like half of it is in dreams where he sees things and mm. like his. I mean, obviously, it all doesn't matter in the end because there is no mystery. But like as as a thriller, like it was the worst thing, as he has his first dream. And his wife says to him, like, she's still here. She's still in the prison. You're like, well, what the fuck? He gets his first clue in a dream. Screw you. Like, that's such a, he doesn't do anything. Like, that felt so bad, but then it doesn't matter because it's not a mystery anyway. But like, ah, it just, there was just, it just didn't work for that reason. It just, there's no, like the mystery isn't, I'm not able to follow it and figure it out because they've screwed with it so much. It's like, it's just a good thriller. It's not a, it, it can't be a mystery. I disagree with an unreliable narrator being the bane of a mystery. I mean, it, it is in terms of, like, in a narrative sense, but, like, the idea of, like, an unreliable narrator for a mystery film, like, imagine the main character working against the audience while still working with, I don't know, that's a cool idea, that's a cool concept that would be incredibly tricky to pull off and I think incredibly interesting. But... 
I, I do understand some of your, your grievances. What I will say is, like, him getting his first clue in a dream, I think that would work in terms of, like, visualizing, like, the detective's hunch, you know? Yeah, like the, yeah. if it was played like that, I'd absolutely yeah. agree. If it's played like, you know, he's having conversations with himself and one of them, to, yeah. like, don't that, but, like, and, like, if his wife was in any way implied to be a metaphor for his psyche you'd be like you'd be like it's him telling himself wonderful but it isn't yeah. played in that way at all and it's not yeah. it's all left out and so you're kind of like it's just a nightmare that tells him the answer and you're like Ugh. but then again as i say it doesn't matter because it's not real anyway and that it, it's all explained away because none of it matters and he's all like they're the same person or whatever like it just doesn't it's not something you see in hind it's something you see in hindsight it's not something you see in foresight yeah 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 I have, I have I have two things that I want to chip in with. Number one, in terms of unreliable um, mystery protagonists, I'm just going to say Memento and leave it at that because those of you who have seen the film will understand what I mean. And it really you fucking both works there. I have what? not seen it. You both, you both haven't seen it? Okay. Nope. Well, Memento is definitely a mystery film and the, the, the premise no. is that the protagonist has no short-term memory and you discover the whole world through his eyes and he's as unreliable as it gets and he's still trying to but that's that's established in the beginning i take it that he has a short-term memory and like, yes but he's incredibly unreliable like you, you, you watch the film you know what i mean anyway yeah. the second thing i wanted to say to to your comparison between nolan and scorsese i know i mean you you've you've boxed it up well but i i personally have this is probably probably a more recent discovery but martin scorsese has so much more range than he is credited for and i think comparing this to a nolan film does him a disservice because he's a very good director at adapting to different genres and i think he nails this as i mean you would i i agree when you say it doesn't feel like a scorsese scorsese film but that's because he's tainted with this um i don't know people have these this this idea that Scorsese only does Scorsese films and this is different, but he has range. He can do all sorts of films, including this, apparently. I'll just leave that there. Um, and the 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 last thing that I now wish I'd done is do my homework because from I haven't seen Chatrodin in at least two years, so I'm not as it's not as fresh in my mind as it is in yours. But to, what I remember from it is that this is essentially an anti-war film, right? Of this heavily traumatized like they was he was he there when they freed the 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 concentration camps was he there when they yeah, Nazis um, is that the that that's what I remember from it and, and for me the the whole the trauma of 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 the character came like was was such a was such a key part of why he is like this and now what I'm saying is I kind of wished I'd done my homework into what war trauma can do to someone because I can imagine that, you know, dreams play a huge role in how those people, uh, you know, how those people be, be, um, behave in, in the normal world. Yeah. So, so you know, that clue, as you said, Harry, it might feel a bit um, like a lucky coincidence that, oh, we just need some kind of plot device to bring the story forward. Let's have him have a dream. But maybe actually that's, you know, they did their homework and that's how a traumatized person you know, reacts to influences. I don't know. You're shaking your head, Byron. Yeah, I can. I can tell you that they didn't do their homework because one of the things that, um, like I mentioned it before with the the wife, she's just kind of she's briefly mentioned to be manic depressive, 
which is which is nonsense essentially it's especially considering like the way that we see her at the end is you know she's just killed her kids and then she's sitting there going i sent them to school my school and it's like yeah. that's not a that's not a you know a, someone with bipolar that's not someone who's you know manic depressive which is a a very outdated term um, yeah but and again that's kind of in the film's defense they it's set in the 1940s yeah, no. and you're kind of like eh, you know yeah yeah but i know what you're saying but i mean i suppose it's it's her condition as much as his state that are relevant to this yeah like in terms of like there being homework done on on part of the filmmakers i think that it was very very surface level because there could have easily been you know a directorial uh is acted in that scene versus you know how it ends up being portrayed comparative to what her actual like disability is or what her mental um inhibitions are but it's not so i i don't think that the there was a lot of really deep meaningful research into you know mental health and how it affects people i think it was straight up just they're in a mental asylum they can do what they want i mean, I, I don't think it's, it's that simple Byron. i don't i mean I, I again i haven't done my homework so i can't say but i if if the filmmakers didn't do it i'm sure then the 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 author would have yeah, for sure. You know, so there's some there's some kind of, of, of truth or some kind of logic to, to how people with those conditions or those disorders react in those situations. So I, I, I can't imagine there not being at least as a, a, an ounce of, of reason or truth behind the no, behav- their behavior. At least some. Yeah. But I'm not saying that the research was, was definitely not extensive. I read some. I read a theory online somewhere that it's actually um, th- that th- Leo's character killed the kids and not the wife. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't work because that's not explained to us. So it's one of the, it's one of the things. It's like again, it's uh, it's it's my issue with like murky endings and and things like because originally I like before I thought about it for five minutes. I, I thought it was one of those films that kind of ends itself ambiguously because. Like a lot, so many mystery films that are missed that are, again, like mystery thriller kind of things. They all, they always add like go you know, ambiguous, like but maybe he didn't, and it's such a cop out to yeah. you not having an answer to your own thing you wrote, and I hate that. But in this film, I realized that like you, so you'd spend five minutes thinking about, it and you go, no, he's he just he knows and he's aware but he just wants to go out believing what he wants to go out with and you know he, that the whole yeah. thing at the end is yeah i don't think this out. film ends in like inconspicuously or you know no. anything like that. i think it's very very on the nose i think we get told literally everything yeah and at the very end it's clear that ending line is is very clear that it's like no i'm i know but i'm just gonna believe what i want because why bother living as a monster when I can die as a good man? Yeah, it is a nice thing. It's a great ending, but you know. Have you guys both just watched it once? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Who's got the but time? It... <laughs> no, I mean, I get but it. I also like. I also stand by that. Like going back to the whole mystery thing, it's like I I, I don't want to make the comparison because I don't I haven't fully formed the ideas yet, but I'm going to anyway. Um. 
like, Take, like something well, something that does yeah. this to a slightly less murky extent is something like Knives Out, where like it it's but only because I think this works Knives Out works better in itself because it it's it knows it's a classic mystery novel thriller, whereas yeah. whereas you know the this Shutter Island is trying to be a few things at once. Uh, Knives Out kind of clicks between the two. I mean, the, you know, there's several essays and things on it, but at the literal literal flip of a coin, that's when it switches to a thriller rather than a mystery. And yeah. you, you, know, you kind of follow it that way and it works for that reason. And yet you still get the satisfying ending of here's all the things in it. And the wonderful thing about Knives Out is that it, it's, it somehow still gets you, even though it really could have only have been the one person. It was so obvious that it was that one person the way that chris evans walks into a goddamn room you're like oh he's such a villainous guy and then because ryan johnson spoilers like, for knives out yeah, yeah we said it's a spoiler podcast yeah we said it's a spoiler podcast i can do what they want but <laughs> like the, just like you watch that and you go oh man he's such a villainous guy he obviously did it and then it convinces you for the entire thing yeah. that it maybe wasn't him. And even Ryan Johnson, to his credit, goes that one step further and switches genre to convince you the mystery doesn't matter anymore. But you're still thinking about it. And at the end, it all matters. You you knew you were right, but now he's he's got you. And that's like that's such a perfect mystery thriller. And that is how, not necessarily that everyone should do it because there's no point in everyone doing the same thing, but that is how, that, that is a perfectly executed version of, something that Shutter Island definitely tried to do and it was merging the two in terms of merging the two genres of mystery and thriller. And it helps that, that there's the less murky area of the PTSD dream world of Shutter Island in Knives Out. Knives Out is a, you know, is a kind of clear cut world. Nothing's yeah. ever shown to you that could be fake and a bit of, a, you know, everything you see is part of it and you consciously know that. And so therefore you were allowed to work it out with the detective. Whereas, yeah, Shutter Island just kind of doesn't have that because it's a bit more murky and character-driven, which is why, as a closing statement, it's a fantastic thriller with a great twist and a great character story, but it is not a good mystery film. And that's all. Yeah. That's my closing. I have, okay. I have to say, Harry's kind of sold me on that. And that's not to say that the film is bad. You know, I think that the film is great. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it I, is. I loved it as a, as a mystery and I really, really would have loved. And, uh, you know, I understand that going further, like layering it even more than it was already layered, completely unnecessary, would just be confusing and would add time. You know, it would just keep adding time. And it's already, like I said, pushing like three hours. So I understand why it's done the way it's done. But I, I loved it. And I would have really loved to just have gone deeper and deeper and deeper into like this rabbit hole that just doesn't stop until it does. You know. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair so, enough. I, 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 for, I, me, for me, I don't mind that they call it a mystery. I don't, I've, I've enjoyed it on first watch with the twist. I enjoyed it on second watch, perhaps even more. Uh, the, for me, this is still a, a very clever film, whether you call it a, a mystery one or not. The performances alone are good enough to to be this is some people even call this a horror and it works as that as well in many ways i i, I don't mind i don't need to give this a label um in order to to go this is a great film no i've got to say that 
I like how that's how you've twisted this. Yeah, and it's not what we're saying just, at all. You made it seem like I think it's a bad film. No, 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 no. Hang on. Okay, let me, let me, let me re. Then I'm not. I, I I buy into what you're saying as, as you know, it it doesn't work as a mystery, which it sets out to be and which it portrays itself to be. But for me, if I from the beginning assume that it isn't a mystery, it still works. Yeah, but that's that's assuming against what it's selling itself as, and yeah, and we're not saying we're not trying to put a label on it as such. I we're giving a name to the elements of the film that didn't work. Not necessarily saying like the whole like this mystery movie didn't work. We're saying the mystery elements of the film didn't work that were clearly there. It was the other things that that and the other everything else did. I mean, it's a gorgeous film, man. I like ah the look of it. I wish. Like I wish overexposing like they do on old films like this that looked that good on digital. I really do. I love overexposing stuff on people and just uh, making everything look bright and saying fuck you to the ISO. I love it and I wish people did it more. But, uh, saying fuck you to the ISO. Beautiful. It is. Watch Constantine. They do it constantly. It's a great film. Oh. Okay. Yes. I, I shall. We'll... We'll, we'll have another one to discuss next week, I'm sure. Um, shall we move on? Yes, please. Cool thing. So this... Yeah, we did it. We came to a conclusion. No, I, I meant, I meant yay, we've got MCU. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is... So this is... Uh, do you guys want to explain what this next segment is, or should I? Yeah, I, I can explain. I, I, think I'm, I think I'm kind of the... Uh, the kind of oh, not, I'm kind of like the the middle voice in this, whereas because it's it's uh, yeah because we're we're discovering through you two I think, whereas I'm the yes. very much the kind of normal man that's like woo woo I love the MCU. But um, so this this is a little little sectiony segment that is uh, based on the idea that Fabi has not seen much of the MCU. If like, he's maybe seen three of the twenty four three films that exists, uh, and so. Uh, we have decided to get Fambi once a week to watch an MCU film in the order they were released, and we're going to chat about it and talk about it. Um, and for background's sake, obviously, Fambi hasn't seen it. I personally uh, really like the MCU, and I don't necessarily champion it as anything like you know a masterpiece or anything, but I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff, and it just uh, works, and I like it. Byron, notoriously in our groups of services, does not like the MCU, and all it tries to do, and that's why we hope the segment's going to work because it's going to be <laughs> a lot of my voice. It's going to be the newbie, yeah. the expert, and the hater, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be fun because hopefully Byron won't hate all the films, and hopefully you'll maybe even dislike some. We'll be able to chat. But the first film, uh, which we've had to like double check and fact check and do all of this, but according sure to the real one, physically when it was released, I think in the US this is. Uh, Iron Man was released first, so that's what we're going to talk about. In some countries, Incredible Hulk was released first, but we're going off of US and UK, or just US, I think, which is Iron Man was released first. So it's just our narrative. Yeah. So first, first and foremost, newbie Fabi, you watched it for the first time yesterday. Uh, no, like a week ago now. A few a days ago. Yeah. What did you think? <sighs> okay, so. I have I have some questions because I I watched I've seen sadly now I regret having to say this but I've already seen Endgame so I know what we're heading towards. Uh-huh. 
and I, I, yeah. I absolutely I should, for, for the sake of this segment I should probably have should have lied and said I've not seen it I don't know it would have been the huge mystery but anyway honesty is the best policy kind exactly of. Oh, exactly right. so and and kind of like knowing where that headed to and seeing the reaction of people in the in the cinema to the events of Endgame trying not to spoil it at this point um for the three people who are definitely not listening but haven't seen it <laughs> anyway um so, so I have some questions because I watched this film very much as like uh, knowing what the segment was going to be, and I, I kind of knowing that I was about to embark on a wondrous and very long journey through all the storylines and films. So I kind of knew this was only like chapter one, and I kind of approached this that, and so I almost less focused on the the film, the, the narrative of the film, than more of like the clues that I might have to pick up on for later references, because not only have I not seen the films, I've also not read the comics. And that, that's, I think, right there is probably the first thing that I dislike about the MCU, is that you didn't just watch it as a film, you watched it as a piece of a puzzle, which it, it shouldn't be. That's not how it should well, be. Well, to, to be fair, that only that's only a thing because the rest now it's like if one like if you're watching this film when it first came out it's not part of a puzzle it's just a film no, and you're watching not. it i mean that was that was my first question so that's my first question is this when they made this did they know what they were going to do did they know they were going to end up doing endgame i doubt it i don't think so because it okay, this is like the first besides you think of like superhero films before iron man which came out in 2008 uh you think of like the x-men movies and there were three of those and you know, they didn't go much of anywhere, unfortunately, because, uh, you know, the first two kind of slapped. Yeah. And then there was yeah. the Spider-Man yeah. films. And the same thing kind of happened. The third film kind of stumbled a bit. And then before that, you've got, like, Spawn and Steel and technically Constantine. Yeah, technically. Uh, but, no, I think with this film, I think it was the beginning of the end because what happened was, like, film I made one the beginning. Yeah, you know? <laughs> It's it's such it's a great film, and I, I I would not hesitate to say that this is like one of the best, if not the best, superhero film. Yeah. Uh, because this is the only one. Because even if you think back to the the Sam Raimi Spider Man's, we never really see him learn how to use his powers. We see a couple scenes of him kind of fly web fly. Yeah. Shazam. Go web and, go. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't work. But in this, we literally see him build it up and learn how to do it, and test it, and try, wow. and I, it, it's really well structured, it's really well made, it's really well acted, everyone in it's got mad chemistry, and I think that it's sort of, I wanted to say that this is the, the film that spawned the, um, the formula, but it doesn't, the only thing that really carries on from, from this film is the fact that the superhero fights a villainous version of themselves, which happens in every standalone Marvel film after this. Every single Yeah, I, I'd say by the, by the group ones, maybe. The group ones are a bit more difficult yeah. to kind of do that with, but yeah, the kind of the solo ones, it's often, yeah, the mirrored villain kind of thing, which is a bit of a shame, as you say, but hopefully the group ones being there, you know, uh, spaces that out a bit. But, um, mm. but yeah, so, nice, so I see getting, getting back to this one then, is, I mean, we're, we're obviously following tony stark and i know there's been there's been other iron man ad adaptations and the comics must be almost like 70 80 years old now they're about so, yeah they go so they go back a long time and and 
what are so I suppose the first question I had is when I watched this and I, I'm sure they explained it but I was maybe too dumb or wasn't paying attention closely enough but what is the situation with his heart is it in there or not no. yeah it is oh it, it, it is so the problem is the it's an electromagnet because I literally just watched it before this so I have I have all the things in my head and it's the okay. same in the comics so he's he's going through like heart failure Blah, 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 blah. In this, he's got, like, the shrapnel that's moving in, you know, cardiac system. It's a magnet, essentially, that stops it. That's what that is. Yeah, and then it's, it's also what ends up powering his suit. And is yeah. that, I mean, obviously, it's it's all fantasy and, and superhero stuff, but is that somehow medically still explainable, or is it completely No, that's fantasy Okay. You know, it's it, yeah, it's loose. It's loose explainable, but it is it's fancy stuff, and you know, that's that's part of the that's part of the you know part of the superhero. world of superhero thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's and, not necessarily and, like. And to, to tying together with that, what's the thing that he gets from from Gwyneth at the end, like the little thing proof that Tony Stark has a heart? That's what is his, that? That's his other heart. Yeah, so that's... in that scene, he's like replacing it. Yeah. So, so he's, he's replacing the disc he's had. He, he keeps replacing the discs on his chest because they it's a finite battery thing. It keeps running out. He has to keep replacing them. And that first one is the first one he made in the cave that, okay. like, that he had to obviously replace and do. So he keeps removing them. In the second film, I think it's more obvious because he has it like as a little carbon, like uh, almost USB thing, which he sticks in there. And it's like a physical yeah. little SD card that he takes in and out. It's more obvious there. But yeah, in this one specifically, that one arc reactor he has in his thing, he, you know, he has to check, keeps having to change them and charge them and you know do whatever. And that one's the first one, which obviously, as you know, comes back in the very very end. But uh, yes. yeah, keep, keeping it here. Yeah, that's the the Tony Stark has a heart thing is the first uh, the first of the art reactor that he made. Okay, because because I for a second I thought, wait, is that his heart in there, or did I miss something, or what? What? But then that's explained now. And and I mean, one of the things that I. I mean, you know, I, I'm far away from calling myself a superhero fan. If I was, I'd probably watch more films. But one of the things that I liked about this one, apart from the cast, I thought Jeff Bridges was at, like, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't quite get to Coen Brothers um, uh, Lebowski levels, but he's he's up there. He's such he's, a treat. He's in this. chunky in this film he's too. So Isn't he? What yeah. big? That's oh. amazing. Actually, it's honestly yes. my favorite look he's ever done. Like that's yeah, he's chunky, and big fat. Man. It's it's amazing. It's really cool. So, so apart from that, what I really what I appreciated is that there's I mean obviously there's loads of CGI, but there's not that much CGI. Like it reminded me a bit of the original or the first of the original Spider Man trilogy. You know, where there's obviously a bunch of animated stuff and a bunch of CGI stuff that they had to, you know, go green screen or, or computer animated stuff. But there's not, there's loads of scenes in there as well that, where it's just, it's just humans talking. And that's yeah. not something I remember, especially Avengers Endgame to be, because I doubt well, they shot a single scene in Avengers without a green screen. Here's the, here's the thing, and this is one of the things that I, that I really love about this film and really hate about a lot of the other ones, is that this one, because it was the first, did not need to subscribe to a formula, so it didn't. And especially because Iron Man, he is such a... Uh, I'm going to say civilian, for lack of a better term, but he's, he's kind of a, a civilian hero. You know, he's, he's a billionaire. He's a, he's a member of society, essentially. So, so that's think, a really important part I of his character. You mean, I think what you mean is, like, he's one of those superheroes that... Like, he, like, kind of like Batman, he isn't 
the superhero himself. The suit's the superhero. He's the man. Yeah. And like, there's nothing like particularly special other than he's quite clever. But like, people like Mar- you know Spider Man and your your Hulks and your Thors, like they they're born with this power, and it's kind of like oh, I just OP. Whereas Tony Stark and everything that happens in this film, in particular, it's got that rustic aesthetic of being built from the ground up, and it yeah, feels exactly. like it's so grounded and so nice, and especially in my opinion, because it's shot on film and it looks so good. But, um, yeah, it, it helped, everything helps it towards that aesthetic and that's why it works. Fun fact, there was actually a suit built for this yeah, yeah. Uh, film. So in a few scenes, Robert Downey Jr. is, in fact, wearing an Iron Man suit. But uh, Jean Favreau was in a, a meeting with some of the CGI people once and he complained about, in one of the scenes, about how fake the suit looked. And the the the, the uh, that's really, was like oh okay I guess just use the CGI one then so that's why subsequent films he's then kind of it, it's more more CGI after after that because it just becomes more convenient and it looks better. Yeah, okay. there are so many films where like not like, outside of superhero films, there's so many that you know people. Uh, I forget the, I forget the specific film, but there is one. Where uh, there's, there's many probably, but there's one in particular where these guys built, you know, an entire. It might have been Chappie or something. I don't know. Like they built an entire suit uh, and you know made it so that you could have that reference. But uh, and then you know they made it walk and do that. But I think yeah. it, I think it was Chappie. But like it ended up being pretty useless because they just ended up building it from the ground up in CGI anyway because it just it works and flows better and everything. Yeah. It's easier to do that way. Um, I know Chappie was one of those films that they had Shelter Copley walking around with the guns and stuff and actually doing the motion for it but they tracked that in by hand they didn't do it by uh they didn't do it like automatically or anything or with motion capture shoots they just that tracked chappy why like chappy looks good yeah and they just spent hours good. and hours on end doing it by hand and it really yeah that was really good but it pays off yeah it's like yeah. hand animation yeah but it's yeah. why like iron man is one of those films where they say so the superhero thing was just getting started in this new age and they were still working it out which is why, and, and also, um, another fun fact, obviously they didn't have that much of a budget for this film, really. Mm. And it was, it, and you can kind of feel it when you watch it. It's, it's almost indie. It kind of, it feels and it, it looks it that It has way. that feel, yeah. Comparing it to Avengers, this was very, I mean, I think, I think it, I saw it was like Marvel's first self-financed film. Yeah. So they really like. 140 million. Yeah, which is just, not that much, like in terms of. Comparative to what, like, let's yeah. have a look at what Endgame cost to oh, make. God. Even like I know that like even like this the first Mummy film, which nineteen ninety whatever, like that that cost like two hundred and ten million. That was back in the like that yeah. was ten years before this or even more. So but Endgame like, was thirty five uh, three hundred and fifty six million. Yeah, That's almost substantially triple. larger. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so another a few if a couple more questions that I have I want to ask you guys. So that this, uh, apart from the the obvious. And very blatant uh, product placement with Audi in this That's case. Fine. I was really happy because I know nothing about cars, but I, I've the one, the fastest, single fastest car that I've driven is an Audi R8, and it's like it's the top of the list, followed yeah, by some Fiat, and it's and it's Iron Man's car, and I was like, you know, I got that little boy moment of like, oh, I've, I know that car, I know it, it's cool, it's fast. And that was that was a cool moment. So I needed to mention that. So that was kind of my favorite moment of the film for me. It's like, oh, I drove Iron Man's car, and now I know why Audi does these deals because you know, 
here I sit going, I want that car again. Anyway, the, the other question is, what universe are we in? Is this supposed to be like our world, but an alternative, or are they making it up? I mean, oh, it's like it's like the real world, but with superheroes. That's kind of what it ends up being. Because yeah. it's funny that you mentioned that. Because uh, just speaking of world, I thought this was hilarious. Because there's a, the part where he first gets back after being, you know, uh, terrorized, and he's like working on the suit, and it's like all these holograms and shit, and he's going whoop. Um, but he still has a Motorola razor. That's how he calls people. <laughs> yeah. little, he's got the little flip phone. I thought that was fucking hilarious, especially since iPhones came out the year before. Yeah. So <laughs> they switched to iPhones in later films. No, they they come up with these fucking like space holographic. Well, they Hello? do accept. There's nothing except, in my ear. Hello. Except when um, they they do that for like when they're in a team. When people call each other, it, it like he does it mostly like on like screens and through yeah. like kind of futuristic Skype. But there is. One the the one nice thing is that it's it's not really a spoiler, so I'll say it. But like in between Civil War and Infinity War, the way that they get hold of Captain America, he gives him a flip phone and he says, "Call me if whatever if you need me, whatever." Because there's there's a little it's bit a of that. It's quite nice. Yeah, it's a cute like no tech, no anything. Just here's that little like rustic thing, which isn't really that rustic. It's still tech, but <laughs> like yeah, it still comes back. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's a whole thing to be said of what world this is in. The comics go far into it. Like technically, this is Earth six one six, but that's a whole other thing mm. that, that does not matter. It's actually until... not. Or is it Earth nine 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 whatever? It's it's nine 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 nine. I think. I don't think that it's a six one six. So in the no, Marvel comics. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. Okay, no, I know. I, I did wrong. Yeah, yeah. In, the Marvel, in the Marvel comics, comics themselves are six one six. The movies is nine nine nine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, my fault. Um, and then. I mean, that really doesn't. I don't. It means nothing. You don't need to know about it. Okay. Only because that reassures me. The only one that like it doesn't really matter, but it, the the only film that alludes to that in any way is Spider-Man: Far From Home. That's at the very end, and I guess into the Spider-Verse, but um, that's separate from this. Like, Spider-Verse yeah. doesn't, doesn't really count. No, but it's not part of the MCU thing. But like those two films are both the only films that matter. A little bit about the Earth and knowing that, but you don't say the rest of them up until that point, which is the last film of this era. It's Far From Home. You don't need to rem- like remember or know that at all. But yeah, it like even even I- in Far From Home, it's like it's wrong. It's it's false. He's, yeah, he's lying. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything anyway. Okay. The final thing I I have on my list of questions or things to bring up or ask is the the post credit scene. Yeah. We we meet we meet Samuel L. Jackson, who's never really introduced before that yeah um, who, who is he why is he relevant and well, that's what's a, this Avengers stuff he talks about that's, Com- that's comic a... fans knew immediately who yeah. it was because there's only one eye-patched guy ever whether or not he's David Hasselhoff or Samuel L. Jackson yeah you know everyone knows that it's Nick Fury so like the first thing I, I was saying when I was watching it when you know Coulson is like yeah special and then at the end he goes, just call a shield. I was like, oh, that's when all the comic fans went, <laughs> because because it's shield, which is like the big agency, the the basically the superhero government essentially. So, really but, boiling. But I'm down. I'm forgiving for not knowing what this is all about at this point. Yeah, because because yeah, then the it, whole... it just goes all forward. Th- th- yeah, that's, that's why this point. film. Yeah, this film is really good because the little niche bits that are for fans are literally just for fans. 
Yeah. So when Coulson says, just call a shield, that's for comic fans. Okay. Because it's not in this story, it's not really important at all. But if and you've read she- the comics, you're like, oh, yeah. I know. Okay. Exactly. And with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury showing up at the end, it's for comic fans. Yeah. And also, it's it's one of those things that it doesn't matter yet until you get to Avengers where they explain it all to you anyway. And, yeah. and you understand because of the film. Like, it's not like the Nick Fury thing at the end of this film is just a little bit of a nod to the future of where this is all going. And yeah. it's a wonderful thing that I think like the whole idea of that post credit and making it so iconic in the MCU to, you know, always stay behind for the post credit guys kind of thing. It's it's genius, really, because that one little tidbit is the only thing is like one well, of one of the only things. But it's like nothing else about this film says come back next time except that one like five. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and and that's and what I was hooked. so amazed, and I was also one. That was also why the question of did they know what they were going to do was my first one because judging by that scene, they knew exactly where they were heading. I no, think I think knew, it was they knew up until Avengers, and then they didn't know where from there. I think okay. as the years go, they they literally like obviously were, were uh, Kevin Feige was planning it out, but uh, but you know there was there every there are there are like there may be three or four films ahead at any one time. Okay, I, th- I feel like so like it kind of it, it grows and grows, but um, but yeah, because like, there are several moments we'll get into when you get to the films, but like they they have a whole thing in Thor Ragnarok where like in a previous film the Infinity Gauntlet was in the Thor like. In their uh, in their backlogs, whatever you see it in like a few shots and stuff, and it's like, oh, well, why is it there? And then, and then in Thor Ragnarok, they wreck on that, and Hela pushes it over, and she goes, ah, that's fake. And like, there are a few things that show. Obviously, they had no prop. They, they were, you know, there were points where they couldn't think no plan. far ahead. Yeah, okay. they had a plan to the next four, but not the next ten films. You know, so there are okay. little things that they have to fix, but not little things that really matter to anyone just casually watching. Only to the like diehard fans that are like, wait, that's there, but that can't be there and there and there. Like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it really doesn't but matter. Even then, those you, those diehard fans will accept any any solution provided in any of these films. They're like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, and and the next film on the list is The Incredible Hulk. I guess it's The Incredible Hulk. Even I don't want to rewatch that one, man. Oof, you gave I'll... it you gave it two and a half stars, Harry, on on Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we'll get into it next time. But yeah, it's one okay. of those ones. Uh, yeah, Marvel. Watch Lee's Hulk instead. Ah, oh, what? Yes, please. Yeah, so, right on. <laughs> Harry and I. Agree. What, we oh, watched yeah. that one. We watched that one. Uh, and then, no. So you, I'll you watch an Ang Lee one. I'll watch the original Lou Ferrigno series, and then you watch the MCU Hulk, Fabi, and then we all collide and see what happens. <laughs> we'll just talk. See, see what we all think. See how much m- merges together. Let's yeah, see which story okay. is the best. But no, yeah, the next one to truly watch. Is uh, Incredible Hulk, but yeah, we'll see you together. Okay, and I want to, I want to, kind of uh, wrapping up this first ever podcast. I want to propose that the next film we all discuss, Shutter Island style, is Memento because it kind of bounces off of Shutter Island. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah, okay. I mean, I see why not. I mean, I need some reason to watch it. Yeah, I just never got around to it. It's just never been a. Thing that I just watched. don't like Christopher Nolan. So I'll be impressed if I, I, I mean, like, was fine. I just don't like it. So I, I, I'd like to see if the praise for Memento is warranted or if it's. I mean, if you don't love Nolan at Memento, you'll never love Nolan. Fair enough. And good if, I don't want to give away too much, but if you, if you like writing, then pay attention because. Well, I understand. I know what Memento is very loosely. Yeah. 
I mean, but like in terms of like, you've asked a lot of, a lot of questions, Savvy, but what did you actually think about Iron Man? Did you yeah, love it? Did you hate it? Uh, yes, what? I didn't really give my personal opinion. It's very hard to say. I, I, I asked myself, do I, do I like this? And I, and for me, it's, it's, I have the fundamental thing of like, I, I, it's just, it's, it's, it's an issue I have with superheroes. It's just, I, I have a little boy inside me that goes, yeah, but that can't be, that's not realistic. That's not, you know, and it's, and it's completely unfounded because so many things I watch and I love in films that are, are just as unrealistic, you know? But there's something about the guy like flying around in his iron suit and like flying through the skies, and the other guy throwing stuff at him, and the, them fighting. Actually, just... gold titanium alloy. But... Exactly. I'm I I'm just I'm just sat there going, this is just this, this is unrealistic. I don't well, buy that's into. That's because it. you hate fun. Exactly. Yeah, that, is, there, that is a problem then... with you. It really is. Like you you can't see every film with the same lens. You've got to change your lenses up and see like and. Just like you got, there's laws to each film that you have to just accept. You can't I, watch. It's suspension no, no, of disbelief, fella, and this is the world that we live guys, in. Calm yourselves. I'm not done with my point yet. So there's, I have to, I the have to work really hard to to kind of put off those glasses and watch it. Because, for instance, the original Spider-Man's, I I I love them. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man's, I I find them like amazingly fun films to watch and right. I enjoyed them as a kid as well even though they were just as unrealistic for that but my my point stands that I don't think I will ever sit and go it's it's like a, a masterpiece and it's a brilliant film but what I can say is that the story has I, I thought the characters were well crafted I, I I like the idea of of Tony Stark of him being this almost normal guy who is such a genius and then kind of like manages to, to build his way out. I, I thought the, the different, um, the different uh, types of villains gave it nice layers. He had to like fight off a bunch of different villains who all wanted different things. I, I like that aspect of it. Uh, there was some, the chemistry between, between RDJ and, and Gwyneth is really cool. Oh, that dialogue she's die for, man. I yeah. Love I, th I think she's, she's really, she's so charming in this and, and it, it, you know, you, you, you kind of at first go, wait, he's going to go off with his assistant, but then it's not at all kind of that assistant and boss kind of situation. She really holds her own and they're really on eye level and they crafted that really well. Uh, I was also really impressed with, with, uh, John Favreau, who, who I <laughs> met first when I watched the couple's retreat <laughs> and I didn't think he had, he had this amount of, of quality as a director in himself so there's there's plenty in there that i i i kind of can't fault it apart from my own personal taste well, in films that's just a bit different which is kind of the, the time old discussion we always have but yeah with this is probably one of the least superhero we superhero yeah. Because yeah. it's at the very beginning, so they don't yeah. have that whole expanded. Spider Man doesn't exist yet. The Hulk doesn't yeah. exist yet. There, there isn't this. And whole... This is like this is one of the most practical superheroes. Yeah. A lot as yeah. well. Like, because he doesn't even like have powers. Stick. Yeah. Yeah. And He's I think I, I think that's what I meant when I was like I like the idea of him being like this normal guy who kind of almost does it himself. You know, it's not like you know, he just kind of he just kind of had to either sink or swim and he because he's such a genius engineering or industrialist or wherever he is he managed to to create this suit so it's kind of as far as unrealistic goes this is as realistic as it gets yeah. because it's all explained you know so that's that's what i yeah i appreciated that i would say that it's definitely it's realistic i 
I think the problem you're having is maybe it's not grounded. I think in terms of like the most grounded superhero film, like Logan, definitely. And I'd love to hear your opinion on Logan because I fucking love Logan. Yeah, it's good. Because it's so grounded. It's not realistic, but it's grounded. And maybe it that's is, the issue. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. There's a few films where consequences happen. There, there are consequences and, yeah. they, and they come back to haunt the yeah. protagonist in that film it's just one of those ones where everything happens like usually you know i mean more more so i mean it's one of the good things they do with iron man throughout the mcu is that it's so many things like when, when you when you look into it and you realize there are so many things that iron man does that comes back to haunt him every yeah. single time and it's okay. one of the few things they they really like get right and you're like oh that's so good it all comes back to him well that's because that's because I, because it's MCU, we can't go into like Tony's real human weaknesses. Like in the comics, it's his alcoholism. It's like he's a, yeah, he's they, a, they kind of get there with um, the I'm the, in the third one. Yeah, they they yeah. give him a human weakness, and that's the best part of that film. Oh, shame, Black, love that film. It's a good film. I mean, I, I I can definitely imagine that I will come to appreciate Iron Man one more as I as I go on definitely. watching this. You yeah. know, so it's kind of hard to. I almost have nothing to compare it to, so I I can't really say where it stands amongst superhero films that but I've you watched. You can say where it stands amongst films, and that's that's what a superhero film should be. It shouldn't just be a superhero film. It's not yeah. in its own league. It's a film, yeah. and it should stand amongst shit like Shutter Island. You know, yeah. and 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 this film is one of those ones that for that me does. certainly does. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. It's it's just a good redemption arc, regardless of being a superhero thing. It just. It's a wonderfully set up and practically brilliantly done redemption arc exactly. and character building. So, it's yeah, just so works. rare, in, in, especially in current superhero films. They, they like, I, I'll, I'm gonna throw DC under the bus. You get like Man of Steel. You take away the fact that Superman is at all part of that story, and it it becomes a humongous turd because it's yeah. a humongous turd of a film. But it's got Superman in it. Yeah, know? I mean this one. This one is is definitely very. You know, if you if you see where they end up with with again Endgame as a reference point, th this is very human. Yes, one hundred percent. Or what you said before, it's very grounded. And I I can I can see, I can imagine how <clears throat> you know going going through these films, that's not going to stay the way. It, it, it <laughs> no, isn't this one, you know. So it gets not... very more. It gets more difficult to believe the, the exactly film. exactly. So so I'm I'm sure upon filling up my library with more marvel films this will come out this will this will like gain popularity within my own list sure, so. because there is like you said harry i i agree that like writing wise there's almost no i didn't even think because that's why i had so many questions which is kind of a good thing in a way because it means that the writing wasn't so on the nose that everything mm -hmm. was just spoon-fed and again that's one of the things that i reckon other superhero films don't do or do revert to and i mean yeah does that answer your question whether or not i liked it is that a bit more yeah. insight no it was good it was very good uh, i'm excited yeah to continue on after we do the whole indeed first, oh, we God, have to Hulk. first we have to wait through that and then we can get to everything else oh matters. it's gonna be bad for me even the ones that you guys think are good some of them i think they're really shit so uh, <laughs> Ah, oh, Timmy, it. it's okay. Once we get past Hulk, it it, it gets marginally better for all Mar of us. So, okay, yeah. but Hulk is gonna be shit, is what you're saying. Well, okay, maybe we'll that's see, you might, Knowing you, you're good. You might like it like the idiot you are, but okay, uh, cheers. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll like see. <laughs> <laughs> nah, with your, I mean, with your you know, lenses, you might love it. It, just, it, it wouldn't be a podcast it. without without me getting some stick. That's fine. <laughs> um, let's okay. Shall we? Shall we leave it at this then? Or actually, uh, no. I want to say something to uh-oh. to our non-existent listeners. I want people to like reach out to us and to you know tell us films they might want us to watch and talk about. Or all they three of this, by the way. We're all, yeah, we're exactly. All Absolutely. Not me, like, though. I, I will be privately unblocked, and you can't talk to me. But yeah, the other two, exactly. though. But Byron and I, we are open, you know. We're open our to DMs. Like, just send us films to watch and, and give us in, input into our podcasts. Uh, let us know if we're not making sense or if we are making sense. Can you um, tell who's talking? Cause please compliment If you don't us. know us, it might be difficult. Exactly. So, so yeah, just... Voices. <laughs> yes, we can do really, different voices. We can do a really interesting voice, and, you and know I'm not going to be racist, so I'm not going to do that. But let's go He's ahead. Really and... racist. <laughs> that wasn't racist. <laughs> that wasn't. Um, this yeah, was yes, So, so that's a big shout out. Like, if anyone is watching <laughs> and has like a film, a film they'd like us to talk about, unless it's Birds of Prey, we're all game. Um, Birds of Prey, we'll so, yeah. we're saving. We're saving. We're saving that that's going to be a real. Special. Fun day. That's gonna be great. I'm gonna that's love it. That's gonna be yeah, like a twelve hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Should we? Should we just real quick the things the things that we have discovered this week or that we like this week or we yes. watched this week? Yes. Anyone got anything to start? I say you start because you brought it up. I I, I asked because I don't he have anything. He smelt it, dealt it, Harry. <laughs> I asked. I asked because I don't have anything. Uh, Oh God, well, do I, any this, I, I just worked this week. That's all I did. I went to work for the entire week. That's um, I, I didn't get to do much. Right? I must have. Besides <laughs> Turtle Island, there must have oh, been something. Else. I tell you what I did. I've been watching. I've been watching a few short films because I've been so uh, so adept for time, um, even though that's not in the right word in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but uh, I Oof, did. Man. I watched a short film. It really isn't a film. It's a two-minute thing called Unsettling Scenes, and it's on Letterboxd, and I watched it, and it was it was very cute and very nice, and I, I liked it because it really is like, it's it's two minutes based on a feeling, and, and it's it, it encompasses you, and it's really nice. And I, I reviewed it on Letterboxd, and the creator of the short uh, messaged me or commented on my thing and was like, hey, thanks so much. You know, it's really cool and all that kind of thing. And, and we just chatted for a while, and it was a very nice thing to just talk to another creator that I didn't know out of the blue so that was cool uh that's very that chill. is so that's just that's such a cool story harry i yeah. I, I feel <laughs> foolish now trying to mention whose birthday it was again so do it, get it right this time if you're gonna do yeah, it yeah oh that was we did i took it was ryan this, this reynolds no this is a story <laughs> worth telling the world because we we did we did a couple of test podcasts and one of the ideas that we had is this this thing where we discuss news in the filming industry that we we read up on during the week and I came across the news that it was Kate Blanchett's 50th birthday. And I wanted to hype her in the news segment. And I ended up calling her Gwyneth Paltrow for some reason. <laughs> because those two are very, you know, indistinguishable. They're really Maybe not. Otherwise. They're really not. <laughs> they're, they're so similar. So they're it's, really it's a not. really forgivable mistake. And, and I'm so happy that that never hit the web because 
I mean, it's just, it's horrible. I'm going to get, get it. I mean, it has right now. You just admitted to it. Yes, but you, it's, have, you had to get out of jail. My, it's not, it's me having reflected and kind of made peace with my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get it right this time. And, and it was, it was Helena Bonham Carter's 50, uh, 54th, I oh, think. Oh God. So you haven't got it right. It's either, it's and she won't birthday. mind. It's, it's Helena Bonham Carter's birthday. And, and I, I just want to give her a shout out because she is such a cool actress and she has done so many wonderful and cool movies, including, I always have to shout out to Harry Potter, including Harry Potter. Yeah, and, uh, she's good. Uh, yeah, one, of the, one of the few truly murderous villains in Harry Potter. She's really vile. Yeah, and yes, it's good. She, she's brilliant. And, and actually, I, yeah, that's ooh, what I have. Well, I was going to say, speaking of Helena Bonham Carter, I recently watched Master Attacks. She's not in that, but it was directed by her ex-spouse, okay. uh, Tim Burton, which is a very non-Tim Burton film. It is. I feel. It's, a, it, it's very... It I is, don't think it's a good thematically film. Thematically, it is. Thematically, I it's think, a very Tim Burton film, but in, in terms of everything yeah. else about it, it's very... Yeah, it's very it, not it's, it's, it's a very bad film in terms of, like, a film, but I think it's so fun that I forgive it. Like, there, there's this whole this whole thing that... Is uh, Jack Nicholson plays the president, but then he oh. also, for some reason, is playing a Las Vegas hotel owner, and that has no correlation to anything whatsoever because the yeah. hotel owner dies at a certain point. There's no connection. It's just he's playing two characters, and then at the end of the film, Tom Jones for some reason oh, shows up yeah, and survives the apocalypse, and then sings. Things it's not unusual it's, to a bunch of animals. It, <laughs> that's that's the reason that film exists to just be out there and be like, hey, here's some ideas we had. Here's them all at once. And you're like, excellent. Like, <laughs> I want to say that it's a, it's a bad film because a lot of like it doesn't work in a lot of ways. A lot of things don't work in like narratively or structurally, but it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's I, a lot I, of really I, cool things. And the then, perfect way to the I, I always sum it up is it is it's cohesively chaotic. Yeah. It yeah. just cohesively chaotic. It all works for all the wrong reasons. And yep. you kind of just go, yeah, all right. Like, it's, uh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> like, yeah, there it is. But let's let's because we're already it's already an hour and ten minutes and you know the people aren't listening, but we should editing thing, you're fine. We'll we'll edit it. Okay. So we we'll can basically edit. say whatever we want right now. Okay, so Byron, hit us with your news. You're Australian, say some bad words. That's what I was gonna do. All right. Everybody <laughs> get prepared. This is politically motivated. All right. Yes. Thanks for not listening, everyone yeah. who didn't listen. Uh, <laughs> everyone who didn't listen, thank you so much. It's, it's the haters that keep us going. Yeah, man. Fueled by the fire that is hate. Uh, exactly. We love some of you. Some of you we don't love, and we shall see some of you, and not all of you, soon. Bye. That was cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's